Hi, and welcome back to The Literacy Squad, a podcast for teachers where we tackle educators' questions on all things literacy. My name is Mark Nichols, and I'm the Head of Literacy Development for the UK. We're thrilled to bring you this episode with our special guest, Alison Sanzar, from Brunswick Secondary College. Alison has been teaching English for 21 years and is the school's literacy coordinator and is based in Melbourne, Australia. She has worked with schools in Finland, China, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, India and Singapore to share current Australian pedagogy. She has also addressed student groups and groups of principals in India and more recently delivered a workshop at an Australian association for the Teachers of English Conference. This discussion you're about to hear is between Alison and Literacy Planet's Annalise Mitchell. Annalise is a literacy specialist who's worked as a high school English teacher for over 10 years and has trained beginner teachers in literacy from early childhood to high school level for six years. The ladies are chatting about specific tactics for teachers to make teaching literacy skills to secondary students meaningful and relatable. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the Literacy Squad podcast. Today we have Alison Sanza, a literacy coordinator from Brunswick Secondary College in the state of Victoria. Alison has been teaching English for 21 years and is now a literacy coordinator at her school, as well as a teacher of two year seven and one year 10 class. Welcome, Alison. Well, thank you, Annalise. Um, it's a delight to be here and um, it's always exciting to talk literacy matters with um, someone equally passionate. Well, no, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experience. We really, really treasure that. And we're looking forward to hearing your experiences of teaching literacy in the classroom. My pleasure. Excellent. Well, let's begin with our first question. In your experience, what strategies do you think work most effectively for developing reading and writing skills? Um, So I'm going to sort of look at that as two separate things, reading separately and writing separately. But inevitably, um, uh, you know, improved reading skills uh, result in improved writing skills. But with reading, uh, what we were looking to do is to provide some sort of framework for students because, you know, individual students read and make meaning certain ways, but how do we increase that complexity? Mm -hmm. How do we know what to do to increase that complexity? So um, the school uses progressive achievement testing um, and through that, um, the reading comprehension uh, test that students do, the analysis is, is... um, done through four levels of reading. So there's a level that says students can retrieve information. There's a level that says students can connect information in a text. So look through a more sustained piece of writing and make connections between that. Um, there's another level that says they can use those connections, that directly stated information, that explicit information to imply meaning, to infer meaning. Wow. And there's another level that says, well, what you can now do is look beyond the text. So reflect Mm. on the text. Um, And the the analogy I use, as I say, you you sort of sit like a bird on a wire and you look at the text and, you know, so you're not in the text anymore. You're thinking, who is it who's written this text? When was it written? What what were the social conditions at the time? Um, What is the genre of this? So it's a step-by-step process that allows students to see how to make more meaning from a text. So if they're simply reading it on a literal level, we're asking them to make links, to imply meaning, and then to look at it within its context. Um, and so that's one of the reading strategies we use. Um, right, so you really do, you dig thoroughly, deeply into the text yeah. uh, beyond its literal meaning and you go into like the inferred evaluative meaning, is that what you're Absolutely, 
Yes. Right. And what strategies do you use, though, to get them to do that? Like, um, uh, is it like a standard question answer format in the classroom? Is there certain things that you do to get the students to uh, ensure that they engage in those strategies? Yep. So the, the, to, to start, when we introduce that, we explain with the examples. Uh, examples related usually to a text that they know. So for year seven, we use wonder and we explain, oh. retrieve, and I look at a little uh, section of the text and I say, okay, so what is directly told to us in this? And they'll pick out, oh, he's a 10-year-old boy. Um, what linked information can you make with this? Oh, he's a 10-year-old boy who likes playing Xbox, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, what can you imply from that information? Um, oh, well, he seems to be quite normal. He's yeah, a 10 year old boy who likes Xbox. But then there's another section that says, you know, kids run away from me in a playground. What's yes. that imply? So yeah. we haven't heard any more about him. So we, we sort of talk them through the process of each of those stages. Um, and the next step is that we then give them uh, unseen texts and group work. So it's an excerpt in the, on a page. Um, it's usually a nice big A3 page because after the pandemic and, you know, in Victoria, uh, we were locked down for a very, very long time. Um, yes. We really wanted students to talk to each other. So at each table of four, we would put a large A3 sheet of paper. The middle of that paper would have a printed excerpt. The first one we did uh, was the elephant man. Um, so texts that they may not be uh, used to reading, mm. older texts. We use the drover's wife for another one. Um, and we then guide them through uh, a class exercise, but they're still working in groups of what information is directly stated. What links can you make? How can you imply uh, or infer information from these links that you've made? Um, and finally, look at the context. What do you know about this was uh, this man lived 140 years ago? Can you look up? Can you research some of mm. um, the social conditions at that time? You know, what was medicine like? Um, and they really, really get into it. Um, and just to give you another quick example of um, where students can take this. So before they get to the uh, unseen text, The Elephant Man, uh, they practice the four levels of reading and deconstructing a text with a piece of information that they already know or a piece of text they already know. So they choose a nursery rhyme. Right. And they deconstruct that nursery rhyme. And just out of interest, the year seven group, um, one of the readings for the reflect, the look beyond the text, one of the readings that I got from a year seven class and one group on Little Miss Muffet was a feminist reading of the text. Mm -hmm. And they talked about <laughs> the patriarchal society and, you know, the spider representing patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> this so they, can really, they really understand where you can go wow. well beyond. Wow. Um, and 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 um, with with making those kind of deconstructions, I would imagine like, are you modelling those kind of things first initially to get them to be able to um, perform those strategies? Absolutely. Yeah. So so it's a staged process. So we first explain theoretically what the yeah. process 
we then link it to a text like Wonder, which they yeah. know. They then apply that information with the text they know, like the nursery rhyme. Right. We then give them a text that they don't know, like the Elephant Man. So it's a set, staged process. Um, and my job as the teacher then is to walk around the groups to facilitate that discussion. So the group that did Incy Wincy Spider um, talked about prohibition and the class system um, mm, yeah. in America and the spider representing the lower classes, you know, climbing up the ladder. <laughs> That's excellent. So there's a lot of historical insight there. Do you find the students are really interested in those topics as well? Yeah. Very. <laughs> that, that, that's something I've found a lot in my teaching is if, if they really need to be interested in what they're learning, if it's a text that they can't relate with or that they don't see any, anything that, that they find, you know, topical or interesting to, their, to what they can relate with, then they're not as they're not engaged. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to selecting texts, is that something you're also mindful of? We're, we're mindful of the fact that we give them some choice, but then we extend beyond that choice. Yes. Just yeah. to that same example. The choice was your choice of nursery rhyme. And they were all looking them up on, online and finding various versions of them and, you know, telling me that Humpty Dumpty was a the name of a canon in the 1880s. Oh. <laughs> they get really excited. Because That's excellent. You can actually see this happening in their little faces because... Um, they start off with something they think they know. Oh, it's a little nursery rhyme. You know, we, we know that. And then they're going so much further with it. And so it's, it's almost proof to them about how using this four-step system allows you to make so much more meaning. So um, they then buy into it. So yes. we do the exercises, but by, by year eight and maybe by year nine, we're expecting them with the texts at school to just automatically use this kind of thinking. There's no template, there's no table, but in their heads, when they're annotating mm. text, they are using these kinds of, this kind of strategy, these four levels of reading strategy. So they actually get a habit of using it. Yeah. So that's something yeah. that they will continually use with other texts as they use it more and more. Wow, that's, that's really... That's the idea. That's that fantastic. Seven, and that we use it very specifically with a unit of work. Mm -hmm. uh, this unit of work we're doing is characterization. So we teach it, we model it, they practice it, practice it with what they know, practice it with what they don't know. In groups, there's fabulous peer learning, you know, the, the feminist um, interpretation. Three of the group had no idea what this yeah. child was talking about. Um, you know, he said, oh, mum mom does these feminist readings of things. And so he then introduced the other three uh, students in his yeah, group. That's too. good. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it, shared knowledge. They're actually sharing knowledge. ideas and, and even challenging it, each other, perhaps. Yeah, and a shared platform of knowledge. And then they shared that with the class. And, you know, the class was like, oh, well, we did this. We didn't look that far. So where, where can we go yeah, with the yeah. context, of the social and the philosophical? Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I'm very impressed, especially the Elephant Man. That's a very um, yes. powerful historical text, and there's so many metaphors and uh, that you can relate with within how society is structured and how we treat each other, even stigma and all that. And the comparison between those. Um, so, with the Elephant Man, the reason we chose that is that we thought, firstly, they wouldn't be familiar with it, and secondly, being a true story, it would be something that would really interests them to know how different life was 
uh, in those days. And so they were looking up pictures of, of him and you know, finding out all the details and asking about um, medicine in that time and what was the name of that, looking up other um, mosquito-borne illnesses because to do with elephantiasis. And, mm. and so it became a wonderful, broad discussion um, and, and they were really interested. But the whole idea is that they understand where you can go with the text. So the, if you use these strategies, you can make so much more meaning, meaning from something you didn't think you could make more meaning from, like a nursery rhyme. Is amazing. I love that <laughs> cross pollination and yes. like you, you, yeah, you're yeah, um, getting them to make um, what is it like um, connections between yes. uh, interconnectedness, yeah, between yes. texts, yes. uh, which is just um, to me amazing. And, and I can imagine that that when it comes to writing, again, that would um, be motivating because they've now they've they've read extensively. Um, how, how do you motivate? Yeah, how do you get them to uh, write about what they know? So, just back with the same task. So, the task that I talked about with the elephant man is linked to characterization. And the first aspect of characterization we're teaching is physical appearance. Mm. So they deconstruct that text. We then provide these things called vocabulary wheels. And they've got something like um, it'll have, you know, uh, face in the middle and then it'll have nose, eyes, ears, uh, hair, mouth in yeah. quadrants around it. And the students need to then find synonyms for those words and they understand that some words are colloquial, you know, right. so there's a discussion about language. Yeah. language. One of the words that they had to come up with synonyms for was jaw and firstly they had to work out what a jaw was, another one was complexion. So it's yeah. building vocabulary. Yes. Um, so they're coming up with synonyms for those words. Jaw, they had to look up. It's learning to use resources, mm -hmm. um, learning to use thesaurus um, on word, finding you know, how you can use thesaurus on a word document. So it's technical skills as well. So you've got face in the middle. You've got mouth, um, eyes, ears in quadrants around that circle. They're finding synonyms for those words. Yeah. And the outer circle is where they're finding adjectives to describe those nouns. Yep. So they're building, and they have great fun doing this because they, you know, for, for mouth, they say, ha, ah, ha, it's a pie hole. Yeah, wow. <laughs> or peepers, or yeah, they yeah. hysterical. Um, but then they've got to come up with adjectives, um, you know, in that outer circle. And for each of those, it allows them to come up with five or six. I said today, look, try and get at least three. Many of them filled the entire circle. It was so exciting. It sounds really fun. Like I could just yeah. imagine like the, um, yeah, exploring all these other ways of saying the same thing. Because we, we, we often go, in, even in society today, we kind of go to default, don't we? We just say mouth. That's right. Yeah. We're a very good novelist. We'll use many ways of saying the word. Yeah. Right. And that would say something about a character. So uh -huh. yes, with jaw, like if you're descri describing someone with a strong jaw, and I use the example of Popeye, the, mm. the you know, cartoon character, I said, you know, that kind of jaw. And they'll say, yeah, 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 we know Popeye. Um, and so that might indicate a sort of certain type of character. So that's what they're learning to do. So with writing, um, we ask them to explore vocabulary, explore language, and understand how to link that to meaning that they're trying to make. 
And we're going to leave this episode right here. But wow, how many teachers out there have taught nursery rhymes like that? This discussion was packed with so much great information that we've decided to break it up into two episodes. We're really grateful to Alison for sharing her experience and tips with us. I know you're going to love the next episode as well, but you're just going to have to wait a little bit for that one. Alison has asked us to credit English teacher Barbara Moss with developing several of the resources referred to in this podcast. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Literacy Squad. As always, drop us an email with your own insights, questions or suggested new topics for our team to tackle. You'll get the team at podcast.literacyplanet.com. Until next time, Literacy Squad signing out.